Father in heaven, we come before you at the foot of your throne, thanking you for the blessing, which is the blessing of love. We thank you for the great, great love that you have shown unto us and bestowing upon our human race, your son. And as we begin this podcast, we want to ask for your help in revealing unto us all your character and your nature. We want to ask that you would hold back our, our own desires and our own um, thoughts, our own speakings, so that whatever is brought forth in this podcast and in this talk, that it will be of Christ and that it will be of his nature and his love. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to speak on such a thing. And we ask that your spirit may be given unto all who may be listening, even unto us as we begin. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Welcome to the Brotherly Love podcast where brother in life and a brother in Christ uh, come together to study the teachings of the Bible so that ultimately we can reflect the image and character of our Savior, Jesus Christ and our brother. Uh, I'm happy to be back today. Definitely. Definitely. Um, And it's going to be a treat today because we're physically in front of one another. (laughs) So before we were, um, you know, long distance and we apologize for the the quality and, you know, and whatnot. But we are doing our best and putting forth our best efforts so that we can bring a quality podcast to you all. But we want to remember that the message is of the most importance and not the quality. That's Even true. though we want to make sure everything is, you know, crystal clear for us all, we have to always remember that the message is the thing that is supposed to be clear and not the audio, so to Man, speak. It's such a true so. statement. I, just thinking about what you said, I can only imagine what would be the effect of the gospel if we never saw the ministers. Probably be much different than it is now. If we never saw ministers. Uh, and, you know, that's how God preached. When you go back to the Old Testament, the Bible says you saw he, when he's speaking to Israel, he says you didn't see a form or a similitude. Yeah. You only heard the voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can imagine the influence of the gospel if men were not seen. Uh, and I think it would be a blessing because today sometimes I've seen ministers where I'm like, you look like a homeboy. <laughs> you don't a look homeboy? you don't look like. Uh, you know, honorable or you don't look like somebody who is taking their appearance appearance seriously. You look like a worldly person. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, much can be said about that. But today we are looking at uh, overcoming temptation, but we're looking at it from the perspective of our savior, our example. How did Jesus overcome? Uh, I think this is uh, one of the, the main points of the life of Christ, the purpose of uh, a God recording the life of Christ yeah. is so that we can see how he overcame. So uh, uh, if you don't mind starting us off, brother. Sure. Um, and this is, again, part two of overcoming temptations or overcoming evil. Yes, sir. Um, we left off in Romans 12, 
when we 12. when we ended in our first part of this uh, talk. And you know, um, before we get there, uh, we were speaking on on the fact that um, God in the past spoke to our fathers, our forefathers. Hmm. Um, uh, speaking of the similitude, they didn't see a form or anything of that sort, but they were able to hear his voice. And we were dealing with um, our audio, you know, being of quality and not being of quality and so on. But I thought about I thought about how even though our fathers heard the voice of God or they heard the audio of God in the past, even though the audio was crystal clear and they heard it straight from God's voice, they were right in front of him. They still didn't hear the message. Mm. So that's that's something that it's a very, mm. um, I would say, important lesson that the, the audio quality is not the, you know, the thing that we should be focused on, per se. It should be um, the message. It's like audio. the difference between did you hear and did you listen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are in Romans 12. Um, and in our first half, we were looking at um, overcoming evil with good. And we were in Romans 12. We were. Let's go ahead and read verse 21. Overcoming evil with good. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So we read this um, just before we close our first half. And we were uh, speaking on how even though the Bible says be not overcome of evil, it says overcome evil with good. So it was giving us a work to do. It was giving us something that we ourselves have to uh, put forth um, uh, action towards you have to overcome evil that is part of um, overcoming evil with good and as well as being not overcome with evil but um, one of the verses that I wanted to continue with was the verse right before it verse 20 and verse 20 says therefore if thine enemy hunger feed him if he thirst give him drink for in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And when we read this, we were speaking of um, Christ in the wilderness, which is which um, was the example I was trying to bring out right before we close. So Christ in the wilderness shows us what this Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 20 is saying. So we can go to Matthew 4, turn to Matthew 4, and we will look at Christ in the wilderness. Um, you know, it's uh, very, very beautiful to see that Christ, or even Romans 12, verse 20, was sharing the ministry of um, loving your neighbor as mm. yourself. It was sharing that that is something that you must use in order to overcome evil with good hmm. giving your enemy if he hungers or giving your enemy if he thirsts those things are weapons in the sight of the lord those things will hurt the enemy hmm. so to speak those things will conquer evil those things will conquer the works of the flesh which hmm. is evil 
The Bible says in Matthew 4, um, verse 1, this is uh, the temptation experience of our Savior and brother. It says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So here we go with the temptations to be tempted of the devil to for Satan to try to overcome him with evil. But then what does he do? It says in verse two. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And then. It says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. So what what is interesting here or what I see here is the fact that when Romans 12, 20 says you should overcome evil with good, but by overcoming evil with good, you have to feed your enemy bread or water if he thirsts right i see here that jesus is trying to feed his enemy with bread what bread am i talking about let's go to john chapter 6 john chapter 6 we will go to john chapter 6 and we will look in verse uh 36 john chapter 6 and verse 36 the Bible says, whoops, the Bible says, oh, 35, I mean, John chapter 6 and verse 35, the Bible says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now, what was Jesus doing in the wilderness? Was Jesus giving the devil food and drink? He was trying to. Yes, Jesus Mm. was trying to give Satan the word of God. Mm. But he says, he that cometh to me will also receive drink. Now, there's another verse in the Bible. Let's go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. It says in John chapter 7, beginning in verse 37. We just seen Jesus try to give the bread or the word of God. And then what else did he give for drink? It says in John chapter seven, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What was Jesus going to give to the person? A bottle of water, a bottle of some juice, right? Some grape juice or wine, as it was called in the uh, beginning. Or back in the past? No. The Bible says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him shall receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So what was Jesus doing in the wilderness? Jesus was trying to present the word of God, and he was trying to present the spirit of God to his Mm. enemy Mm. by giving bread and by giving water. If your enemy third, of course, we're speaking literal, right? It's important to give someone who needs it, someone who will like it, bread and water if they thirst or hunger. But 
there's a spiritual side as well. We can't neglect one half of both realms. Mm -hmm. We can't say, yeah, let's do the, the literal side. Let's give bread and water to everyone. And then after you have given the person that needs the bread or the water, mm. bread and water, and then say, okay, you're good. Nothing else is needed for you. I don't have to actually help you with your spiritual mm. uh, growth. Your salvation. <laughs> your salvation, right? So if we say that and neglect the other half, then that person, even though they may have received what is necessary to live, right? Hmm. Every word of God is what you need to live, not just bread or not hmm. just water. So if we give just bread or water, the literal one, but we neglect the spiritual one, then in the end, that person will still die. Hmm. That person will not receive life. And and when we speak about life, when we're speaking in the literal sense, we're speaking of temporary life mm -hmm. because all men will have to die at some point. There will be some who won't, but for the most part, everyone will die, mm. basically. So if we neglect the spiritual aspect of it, then those people will not continue to live on because they didn't. They weren't presented with the word of God or they weren't presented with the Holy Spirit. Mm. So and what I also wanted to see is that when Satan tried to overcome his enemy, he used half of one of the uh, weapons. Mm. Satan said, command that the stone be made bread. So Satan didn't mention anything about water. Mm. Nothing about the spirit of God. He said, just, you can use this stone right here and have bread, eat bread. Or mm. he, and in the wilderness experience, we also see that Satan took the word of God to conquer his enemy. Mm. So we know that conquering evil the only way to conquer evil is with good. Mm -hmm. So why would Satan now take half of what's good, which is the word of God, mm -hmm. to try and conquer his enemy, which was Jesus? Mm -hmm. But he wasn't able to conquer his enemy because he didn't have water with it. He didn't mm -hmm. bring water to conquer the word of God or to conquer his enemy. Mm -hmm. He brought bread, but they didn't bring water. Hmm. So now we see how powerful it is when God says bread and water for your enemy to hmm. conquer them or evil is what we're trying to conquer. Hmm. Of course, Satan is the, the motivator and the, the inventor of it. Hmm. But Satan cannot force you to do anything. Satan hmm. can present the evil and then you have to conquer what he presents. Hmm. Right. So I think it's very interesting, very uh, powerful to see that God uses, uh, in literal sense, natural resources, because you can bring bread and water to someone who hates everyone and they will be, uh, I, I would think that they will have gratitude for it because if they're in need for sure, yes, <laughs> if they don't have it, then, Hey, I'm, I'm thankful for you giving it to me, but I, I wanted to, um, hear what you have uh, as far as or what the word of God is presented in your mind to the um, effect of this talk or this teaching of no, Christ in the wilderness. I appreciate it. Um, very beautiful application um, of the, the bread and the water and how it is to be used to conquer the enemy. I think about uh, the times in my life, unfortunately, when I was going to fight someone, you know, uh, and I was angry and, I, you know, I wanted to physically hurt them 
in order to, I guess, you know, win the conflict. Mm. But as I look at God's methods and his way of doing things, he doesn't have to use, uh, you know, physical weapons, uh, you know, hands or fists or anything to win a battle. He conquers a different way. Mm. Um, that's what I was getting from your uh, application of the temptation to our practical lives and how Christ overcame. He used different weapons. Yes. Um, you would think because Satan is his enemy, he would just bring out a sword to mm -hmm. destroy him. Uh, but he used the word of God. And, um, uh, and I think Satan understood that that Christ was who he was because Satan even tried to use the word of God, of course, <laughs> in a perverted way. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he when we go back and compare the verses of that of that text to the verses that he uh, took those verses to the places where he took those verses from in Psalms, he changed out or he left out some words. Mm. Um, yes. So uh, it's pretty interesting to see that that practical application and to understand again that uh, the way Christ overcame evil was through different methods. It wasn't through carnal ish, you know, carnality or anger or hatred. Yeah. It was actually through love. Um, and I, I did want to also uh, just uh, look a little bit deeper into that. Uh, temptations part of the Bible. Uh, going back to Matthew chapter 4, I'll just add a couple more verses just to get the whole story or the whole picture of the temptation. Because what is what we can identify in that chapter uh, is in Christ being tempted, what we can identify is that he was tempted three different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always important to bring out that fact because we are also tempted in the same three ways. Uh, so the Bible says in Matthew chapter four, uh, Matthew chapter four, I'm going to go ahead and start in verse three. And we cannot forget verses one and two. Yes. Um, it says he was led up of the spirit. So uh, many people look at this and say, you know, why would the spirit lead him up to do something bad? But we have to remember that the spirit is only leading us to do something good. Yes. Uh, Satan wants to take what God has done and pervert it or change it or make it difficult. That's why you'll see as you follow God, uh, life becomes uh, a greater challenge. It often becomes more difficult because Satan wants to challenge doing good. Mm. So Satan says something like, OK, if you be honest, you're going to get punished. If you obey God, you're going to be treated bad. If you anything you do for God, Satan always tries to challenge it to make following God difficult for us. So this is all we're seeing here. Um, and it's emphasized by the fact that Christ, uh, why did he come? Why did Satan come to Christ at his weakest point? You haven't eaten. Yes. You've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. You notice how he how he's trying to take advantage of Christ in this verse. And it lets me leads me to understand also that Satan wants to do the same thing for us. We need to really watch our diets. Oh. Uh, we need to really watch what we're doing to our bodies, because if we are weakened, you better believe Satan is going to, uh, you know, come up uh, yeah. to tempt us. Yeah. Uh, just before we read, I, I think of how uh, I've mentioned it before, how I used to stay up late. And you'll find that. When you don't get rest, you're probably at your weakest point, And you'll find that many people make some of their worst decisions at nighttime. Hmm. And one of the reasons is because they, 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 they neglect to sleep. You know, they neglect to 
eat the right way. They neglect to just do the right things with their body. And sometimes they even find themselves maybe drinking alcohol or doing other things to make them even weaker. Um, they bring their guard down. Yes, sir. Those things. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, many things, as I said, can be said about this. Let's focus in on Jesus as this is the uh, the subject matter for our study, how Christ overcame. Uh, the Bible says in verse three, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Uh, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. One point of victory for Christ is that he understood that in his temptation, his dependence had to be the word of God. Uh, the second temptation, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in their hands, they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. That was the reference that I made uh, uh, from the book of Psalms. Uh, here you're seeing Satan is tempting Christ uh, to presume upon God's mercy, um, uh, to uh, almost, you can say, try God or tempt God. Mm -hmm. uh, Christ says in verse seven, uh, Jesus said unto him, if it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So the beautiful thing is that you see that Christ is using scriptural weapons. Every time Christ says it is written, he's referring to a Bible verse. He is quoting a Bible text. Uh, this is a practical way to overcome temptation. When we are tempted to do anything, yeah. steal, uh, commit kill. adultery, kill, <laughs> uh, uh, dishonor our parents, yes. or, or, or go into idolatry as the first four commands uh, uh, bring out, when we are tempted... Uh, on those things, God is showing us a method that we can use to overcome. And that is what in the Bible, what does God say in the Bible that teaches you what to do in this situation? Yes. So a person doesn't ever have to steal. Mm -hmm. uh, a person may be tempted because they don't have money and they say, well, I don't have money and I need to eat or I need to feed my family. Uh, and the, because of their need, Satan will say, why don't you steal it? That is a way to obtain it. That is a way to get what you need by stealing. And it is a way. It is just not a good way. So what can a person do to have victory in that situation? Well, they can look to the word of God, for instance, like the promise found in Philippians, where the Bible says, my God shall supply all thy needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So with that verse, now you have what you need. You may not have physically and tangibly all that you need, but God in that verse is giving you the promise that he will supply all your needs. So you don't have to listen to the voice of Satan. You don't have to listen to the temptation to steal. All you have to do is depend now on the promise of God. I'm going to go ahead and move on though. Uh, in verse uh, eight, it says again, the devil taketh him up into a an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence Satan for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And then verse 11 is key. It says, then the devil leaveth him. I say, man, 
How many would like the devil to leave? We don't realize that when we choose sin, it is an open invitation for Satan. God is trying to teach us that if we would resist temptation, even as James confirms, and if we would use the scripture weapon, use the sword, we can't forget uh, there are two things or three things you can say that can be used for an enemy. Number one is bread and water. Mm-hmm. Number two is a sword. Uh, both are necessary for enemies. The bread and water is to offer the enemy peace, right? Yes. You know, if you come to your enemy who wants to destroy you and take over or overcome you for whatever he desires from you, if you come providing that thing, then the battle is re- resolved. You know, you want to take over my kingdom? Can you imagine if two kings are there? One king is bringing his army against another king. And that king, when he comes out, he says, what do you want? He says, I want your kingdom. He says, it's yours. The battle is over. Yes. There is no fight. But if that king comes and says, I want your kingdom. And he says, I want to give you your kingdom. And he says, now I also want your life. Now it's war. Mm. Now I have to withdraw the sword because... I didn't want any 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 conflict with you. I wanted peace with you. I offered you all that you wanted, but now you want to take my well-being. You want to take my life. Now I have to use a sword. And this is what you see in the story of Christ. Surely he offers him the word of God. Surely he offers him bread. And you'll see that Satan does not want those things. Yeah. You know, Satan is saying, here, take this. And God is like, oh, well, actually, I don't need that because God has already provided. And now he's almost like trying to force Christ to take what he's offering. And Christ says, now I have to present a sword to you. And this is why ultimately we can say you see Satan leaving because Christ says we are opposing. We're we're on opposing sides. We're not together. We're not friends. Um, I want to add two more verses to this, because as we identify that Christ is um, our example and that Christ overcame uh, this verse should be one of the most important verses to our Christian experience. Because this story should not go this way, actually. Um, If you look at, if you start in the beginning of the Bible, all the way up until this time, every single example of man is that when Satan comes, they fall. Every single example. When Satan comes, they don't resist. They don't stand. They give themselves over to Satan and they are conquered. We don't see this here in the life of Christ. Instead of from in comparison to every example, we finally see a human standing against Satan. This should give us hope and let us know that I never have to fall into sin again. Now, as I mentioned, there are three temptations here that are being brought out. And these three temptations that are being brought out in the life of Christ that he overcame are also identified later for us uh, to show us that we also must overcome these three temptations. And I want to address that. Let's go over in our Bibles to the book of 1 John. uh, 1 John, um, I'm looking at three verses that I wanted to use, and I'm trying to consider uh, what order I want to use them in. Uh, we're looking in 1 John, and I want to start here, 1 John 2. 1 John 2, just to identify very quickly uh, these 
these three things that were brought out as temptations to Christ, also being temptations to us. Uh, the Bible says here in verse 15 of chapter 2 of 1 John, chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. Okay, so notice, if you can summarize the world, uh, God says, if you could summarize the world or everything that is in the world, it would be summarized like this. Let's read it. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. So the world can be broken down into three categories. And this is important to us because it identifies what motivates humanity. Everything that we do Everything that we desire is going to be found in one of these three categories, um, whether it is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh or the pride of life. Those three things encompass every type of sin a person can commit it, can commit. Pardon me. If a person wants to do something wrong or evil, it will be found in those three things. As I look at the time, I believe we need to take a break. Yes, yes. So we will revisit this just after our break. Uh, we thank you so much for listening to the fir- first portion of our podcast. Uh, we are going to be praying and desiring for the Lord to continue with us, but also that you would continue with us in our podcast today. We are studying how to overcome temptation from the perspective of our Savior, Jesus Christ, from our example. Thank you for joining us. He may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God, that he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world Against mutual wickedness in high places Put on the whole armor of God That he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil Put on the whole armor of God That he may be Able to stand against the wiles of the devil We wrestle not against flesh and blood But against principalities Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world Against mutual wickedness in high places Put on the whole armor of God That ye may be Able to stand against the wiles of the devil Put on the whole armor of God That ye may be Able to stand against the wiles of the devil Able to stand against the wiles of the devil Welcome back to the Brotherly Love Podcast Welcome back, welcome back This is the Brotherly Love Podcast, where a brother in life and a brother in Christ come together to talk about the teachings of the Bible, 
which will ultimately help us to reflect the image of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our brother. Amen. We want to thank you guys for uh, continuing with us in our second half. Uh, we do want to provide you all with our sponsor for today. Our sponsor for today is Worducation. Worducation, that is education from the Word of God. We also have a ministry spotlight. Yes, um, our ministry spotlight today, we're going to focus on a ministry uh, by the name of Three Angels School of Health that is headed by a brother named Tracy Langston, a dear friend of mine and pastor. We've done ministry together for many years. Um, uh, I, uh, his family is very dear to us, but uh, the message uh, that he preaches and the work that he is, has been able to accomplish I think is overlooked by many or uh, undervalued. I don't believe many have seen and understood uh, how much of a resource their ministry is. Uh, I know that at the moment uh, they have uh, uh, been doing a number of schools uh, where they uh, collect and gather a I wouldn't say collect, I guess, uh, where they uh, invite students to come and they teach them pastoral labors. They teach them how to do the medical missionary work. They teach them how to call porter. And I've, uh, I've been aware of a number of students that have come from there and have grown spiritually. So I do believe it is a it has been a blessing to their local community. They are based at this point. I believe they are based down in Idaho. Um, but uh, their the name of their ministry is the Three Angels School of Health. So they they need your support, and I believe that as you support them, they would surely be able to uh, to serve you in a way that can bless you spiritually. So Three Angels School of Health is the ministry that we are looking at today. Thank you for that. It's definitely important for us to uh, share our gratitude for those who are serving in the work and what better way to to share our gratitude but than by sharing their work with others or their Amen. ministry with that others. That is very true, bro. So we do want to ask for you all, if you will, please share this with your friends, share this with your family. Um, let them know that the Brotherly Love Podcast is a podcast that is trying to teach, um, you know, Christ's character, trying to teach the character of God and how brotherly love is and should be a part of our daily lives. Amen. So we also want to give you all a memory verse for this podcast or for our talk. The memory verse for our talk will be in Revelation. Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. Okay. Revelation chapter 21, the memory verse is in verse 7. And it says in Revelation 21 verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, wow. and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Hmm. That is our memory verse for today. Revelation 21, verse 7. Thank you, brother, for sharing that. Yes, uh, indeed. That's a powerful text. I'm, I, that's a promise that is dear to me, um, something that I look forward to. Uh, just before the break, we were looking at First John chapter 2. And we're dealing with uh, the temptations. We initially began where you were sharing the temptation of Christ and how to overcome evil with good. And we transitioned to then uh, just practically applying 
uh, temptations and are practically un- seeking to practically apply and understand uh, how temptation works. And we found that temptations can be divided into three categories, as we saw from the life of Christ. Uh, Satan came to tempt him three times. And we simply tied that to 1 John chapter 2. And I want to go ahead and read that again in 1 John chapter 2. And then go back to the example of Christ. Uh, Since this is our focus, we want to overcome. And Christ gives us an example of overcoming. Uh, We're in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 again. Uh, The Bible reads, Heavenly Father, again, we open with prayer, believing that it is your Holy Spirit that will teach us and guide us. Please be with us as we study your word. May you encourage and instruct all of us who are listening in Jesus name. Amen. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. You either will have the love of God, the love of the father or the love of the world. Those are the only options for us as far as love is concerned. Brotherly love ultimately is based upon the love of God. Verse 16 says, for all that is in the world. So, as I said, you can divide sin into three categories. Uh, according to this verse, everything in the world can be divided into three categories. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And then verse 17 is a very solemn text. It says, and the world passeth away. So the world with all the things in it. Mm-hmm. eventually will fade, eventually will end. It says, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Mm. So we can simply say either we're in our life choosing to do the will of God or the will of the world. And as we talk about overcoming temptation, when we are being tempted, Satan's desire is to tempt us into some type of worldliness, whether it is through a temptation that is applied to our eyes or to our flesh, or to pride of life. And uh, as I mentioned, I wanted to go back to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, that's where we had began our study in Matthew chapter 4. And I want to return here in Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to look in Matthew chapter 4 and starting in verse... Oh, sorry. Let me get there. I'm in Luke. Matthew chapter 4, and I think we're going to start in verse 3 again. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not uh, live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Uh, This first temptation here must fall into one of these three. Hmm. Um, And we must see that in order to be able to make such a statement. Uh, So I want to give a text in the book of Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, it says, If thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Uh, We're dealing with what was placed before the eyes of Christ. Uh, And what we're dealing with here, we're going to see, remember, the Bible says in 1 John that there are three things that we must consider. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. This first temptation deals with the lust of the eyes. This first temptation deals with the lust of the eyes. I'm looking here in Proverbs 27. 
And I want to go to verse 20. What does the Bible teach us about the eyes? We're dealing with how to overcome temptation the way Christ overcame. Christ wanted it to be clear that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, which means the most important thing is not our food. Uh, you know, many people would think if they're starving, uh, you know, if they are without food, that that is the most important issue in life. I need to get some food in order to survive. But Christ says what is more important than food is the word of God. In other words, we work for food. We work to get money, I should say, in order to provide food. A lot of people excuse uh, criminal behavior because of their need for food. Many people steal in order to buy food. In many ways, all, a great deal of what humans do always ties us back to food, believe it or not. <laughs> so it's important to consider that this is where Satan finds most of his temptations or a lot of his temptations is tied to food. It's tied to eating or in a general sense, it's tied to our appetite. And uh, I just I just want to interject. Sure. Um, and as you say that in the wilderness, when Christ was tempted, um, it says afterward he was in hunger and Satan sought to mm. bring his afflictions at his most weakest point mm. when he was hungry. When so he was it hungry. Does, it does show that food is very <laughs> tied to our Christian experience. It's, as it's much enticing. As, it's necessary in order for us to survive. As I mentioned, people, unfortunately, with their criminal behavior so, and, and how they justify themselves, so many have said, man, I stole because I don't have money because I need to eat. I stole this so I can feed my children. You hear this often. Very unfortunate reality, but we need to understand that Satan is behind that reality. Mm. Satan knows that man needs to eat to be sustained or to have life. And therefore, man often chooses to do unnecessary things in order to sustain life. Uh, the Bible says here, and what Christ is bringing to view is that food is not necessarily what sustains life. Uh, the most important thing to life is the word of God. So we have to realize that we are alive today without eating because of the word of God. Hmm. So the word of God trumps the desire to eat. But we're dealing with the lust of the eyes. What does the Bible address in that in that case? Proverbs 27 and verse 20. The Bible says hell and destruction are never full. And then it says, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. So when we deal with this verse here, we're bringing to view uh, what is uh, or, or how the eyes are tied to our temptations, how the eyes are tied to lust and how ultimately uh, man's desire is never fulfilled. Man's desire is never satisfied and rightfully so, especially when it comes to appetite, you would think that you could eat one time and be OK. But that's not how appetite works. Uh, the eyes of man or the appetite is never satisfied. We will always want more. Uh, when you talk about eating, especially, I think about how many times you'll find people overeating. And the reason why they're overeating is because of what they have seen. People go to a buffet and they see all this food. Mm. Their eyes are never satisfied. They say, I want a little bit of everything here. It's just identifying our, our unfortunate condition. Uh, but as we look at the example of Christ, he is our focus. Uh, when Satan presented the bread to Christ, uh, you know, he actually presented something. He says, command that these stones, look at this stone here. Doesn't that look like a piece of bread? You should make it like bread since you're so hungry, of course. 
uh, Christ was not satisfied with food. Christ was satisfied with doing the will of God. Uh, we're not going to go to the verse right now, but the verse that comes to mind is where Christ says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. In other words, what satisfied Christ was obeying the father. Yes, food is satisfying to the flesh or to the eyes, I should say, in this case, or to the appetite. But the greatest satisfaction we should get is in doing what God says. Amen. Uh, let's move on. Uh, also, the, the lust of the flesh. When we go back to Matthew chapter 4 really quickly, uh, I didn't expect this to take as much time as it's taking, so I want to move a little bit quickly. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, and we're dealing here with verse 5. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 5, it says, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. So, Imagine what Satan is doing here. He brings Christ to a very high place, the pinnacle of the temple, the top of the temple. And then he tells him to do something in verse six. And he saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. Or this is equivalent to taking someone to the top of a building and saying, jump. What are we saying if if somebody takes you to a top of a building and tells you to jump? They're telling you to commit suicide. Yes. Or. Another way we can phrase that, they're telling you to take your life in your own hands. Well, notice what Christ says here. In verse 6 going on, it says, And he saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Satan was saying, Look at if you come here to the top of this temple and jump, God will protect you. Well, one issue that is being brought out here is the issue of presumption, presuming upon God's word. In other words, this is tempting God or testing God. God says, I will heal you. I will protect you. And then you say, well, I'm going to drink this poison mm -hmm. and then ask God to protect me because he said he'll protect me. Yes. He said he'll help me. He said that is actually presumption. That is not faith. Just as God may have said he will protect you, God would have also said, do not drink this poison. We have to be very cautious that we don't do things and then expect God to deliver us because he promised to deliver us. In God promising to deliver us, he has also promised and instructed us what not to do. If we find ourselves doing things against what God says and still expecting God to fulfill his promise, then what we will find is we are the ones that have voided the contract we're the ones that have put ourselves outside of God's will, and we will be responsible for ourselves in that case. Hmm. Here, Christ was very wise, and he used the word of God where he says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But the issue, of, the issue that is being dealt with here is the issue of the lust of the flesh. We've already dealt with the lust of the eyes. That deals with appetite. The lust of the flesh deals with our passions, deals with what we do with our bodies. And the Bible gives more commentary on that in the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's move quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where I'm going. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible simply reads, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So notice, Satan takes Christ to the top of the temple. It's very interesting that he chose a temple, an honorable place. But then he tells Christ to jump. Well, Christ understood that he himself was a temple. 
Wow. What do I mean? Well, notice what it says in verse 17. There are some things that you shouldn't do with a temple. In verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 3, it says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. If I am a temple and I destroy myself, I mm. made a bad decision. Uh, Christ understood this. Satan was saying, go to the top of this temple and destroy yourself. Christ says, no, I cannot destroy my temple. I cannot destroy myself because if I do that, instead of God sparing me or saving me, I will be destroyed. Hmm. The Bible goes on to say, if any man defile the temple of God, he him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. We are temples. We are holy temples, which means we cannot destroy ourselves. We should not do things to destroy ourselves. We should actually do things to preserve this temple, to keep this temple holy. I'll give you one more text in first Corinthians six, the same book. But different chapter, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Christ understood, I cannot do what I want with my body. Just like we cannot eat what we want, we cannot do what we want with our bodies. We have to protect these temples that God gave us. And Satan's work is going into getting us to fulfill the lust of the eyes. Fulfill our desire as far as our appetite is concerned. Why? Because it'll destroy the temple. Fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do whatever we want with our bodies. Uh, the passions. People live uncontrollable lives, sleeping around, making bad decisions, entering into relationships that we never should do. And Satan is motivating all this because he says, if I can get them to destroy their temple, hmm then they will be destroyed in the end by God. This is the lust of the flesh. Remember, all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, these are the things that are against God. These are the things that represent the love of the world. Let's deal with this last one, the lust of the flesh. And then I want to hear what you think about these things. I'm going to Psalm 73. Let me share three more texts with you. Psalm 73. If we can move quickly, we can do four texts. Psalm 73, and I'm going to read Psalm 73, verses 1 through 5, really quickly. Psalm 73, verses 1 through 5, the Bible reads, in your hearing, it says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish, notice, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, this person was looking at the wicked and seeing how prosperous they are, the riches, the wealth that they're gaining. And he says, I was jealous of that. I'm looking at the wicked. I'm seeing all that they have, all that they're doing. And I wanted those things. I was envying them. Then he says in verse four, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men are. Neither are they plagued like other men because of their wealth. When they get into a bad situation, their money can free them. But he goes on to say, what is the result of being wealth? having riches, having much things in this life. In verse six, he says, therefore, notice, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Mm. In other words, the Bible shows that when you have a lot, wealth, riches, 
kingdoms even of this world. This is why this issue of Christ shown, being shown the kingdoms of this world and Satan saying, if you fall down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms. What comes with the kingdom? Wealth, riches. lands, yeah. riches, all the things that, according to the Bible, bring you into pride, the pride of life. You see, Christ knew that the Father had promised him the kingdoms through a sacrifice. Satan says, you will get a kingdom through sacrificing and killing others. But God showed that in the life of Christ, he was going to get a kingdom by sacrificing himself. And thankfully, we are that kingdom. He Amen. was willing to sacrifice himself for our kingdom. There is no king in this world that has ever existed that was willing to sacrifice himself for his kingdom to survive, for mm -hmm. his kingdom to continue. It shows, as you were bringing out, Christ truly overcomes evil with good. I want to make these two final points in these verses here, because what we have done is we have looked at the example of Christ and how Christ overcame and how we, we have applied that to ourselves. Christ overcame the lust of the eyes, our, his appetite. He overcame the lust of the flesh, his passions. He overcame the pride of life. Many of us, our greatest desire is for wealth. Why? For what? We don't realize that wealth for many of us is going to be our destruction. It's going to bring us right over to pride yes. or it's going to give us a luxurious life where we indulge in our appetites and our passions and still bring us to destruction. God is trying to deliver us from that. I want to give two more texts really quickly in John chapter 16 is one of them. John chapter 16. Why are we focusing in on the life of Christ? Why are we showing that Christ was tempted in all points like as we were yet without sin? Why are we showing that? Because Christ is our example. John 16. I want to read here in John 16. I believe the verse I want is verse 33. John 16 and verse 33. Yes, it says John 16 and verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you. That in me ye might have peace, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. Christ gives us a beautiful promise, and we're going to now Revelation 3. He gives us a beautiful promise that says, the things that we go through in this life doesn't have to bring us to discouragement or depression or to sadness. Why? Because of the fact that he overcame. Now, why is it that we can be happy that Christ overcame? We have to answer this question. Why is it that because Christ overcame, I can be of good cheer? Why is it that uh, uh, Christ overcame, I can have joy? Why is it? You are the one who overcame. So why should I be happy about Christ overcoming? Well, the Bible says in Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. And I want to go ahead and go through verse 21. Revelation 3 and verse 21, there is something very interesting and sacred about what Christ has done. And the reason is, is because Christ did those things for us. And we may say, well, how or in what way? Well, surely Christ did everything that he did. Ultimately, he lived and died so that we can have our sins forgiven. But also Christ lived and died so that we can have an example. We have to remember that Christ's life was for our sins and Christ's life was for our life. If that makes sense. The Bible says in verse 21 of Revelation 3, it says to him that overcometh 
will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I also overcame. In other words, let's remember the example of Christ overcoming is for us. Our, the power in Christ's example is a power for us. Because he was able to do it, we're able to do it. Not just because he did it, but because he was able means we are able. Mm -hmm. The beauty is that Christ gave us example. an example. What did Christ do? He showed us, I think of in my life, when I had troublous situations. I may have said, you know, there may have been a time in my life where I said, you know, I need a job. And I came across a guy who was working in a place that I wanted to work. And as I talked to him, I said, man, I'm in a I need a job, too. And he says, I can get you in. You can get me in. How? I can show you what I did. Hmm. The example. The example. In other words, I don't have a job. I'm in trouble. I need money. But then I come across somebody who has the job that I want and he's able to get me in, not by just saying I can give you the job, not by just introducing me to that workplace. He's able to get me in because he was able to show me the steps that he took in, a, in, a, in, in order to get hired. I follow the same steps. And guess what? I get in. What is Christ doing? He's showing us the same steps. His example is what will get us in. It's not just because he's close to the father. It's not just because he died even. It's because he says, I will show you how I got in, how I did it. I'm giving you an example. Take my example and do what I have done. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I think about the last um, verse you were, uh, the the springboard verse that you use um, in John, um, mm -hmm. John chapter 16, 16. verse mm -hmm. 33, dealing with um, Christ overcoming the world. And Christ said, be of good cheer. So Christ gives us um, motivation. Hmm. Basically, he says, be of good cheer or be happy because I have overcome the world. Hmm. And then the I want to kind of look at before we close, I want to look at um, why we are to have good cheer and why hmm. is good cheer? Why should good cheer be a part of our lives? And I thank you for sharing this, bro, because for many Christians, they're not happy while hmm. obeying God. Yes, they're not happy to overcome. It's like I'm doing this because I'm going to be lost if I don't do it. So to now be happy to, to obey God and to follow God, to be happy to have that example, I think it's of the utmost importance. Let's look at it. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 4. Amen. John chapter 4. We want to understand why should we have great cheer? Because as you said, um, some people may say, well, Jesus overcame the world. Yeah, Jesus did that, but <laughs> I'm not able to do that. So hmm. what, where is the cheer coming from or why should I have cheer hmm. the bible says in john chapter 4 we want to apply this to our lives so the next time we're uh if satan's trying to overcome us we can be happy hmm. we can be of good cheer it says in john chapter 4 uh verse 4 now the first few few uh words in this verse should already make us excited and happy it says Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Now, this gives us, this is giving us a certain individual. It says you have overcome them. Hmm. Now, remember, 
We can't just say, oh, we're we're of God. We're little children of God and we've overcome because the Bible says Jesus overcame, hmm. not you. Right. We, we again, bringing back the fact that why should we be of good cheer? Because we didn't do anything. Jesus was the one that overcame. Hmm. But the Bible here says "Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because hmm. now why? Why should we be of great cheer or. Because Jesus overcame, why should we be happy? It says, because greater is he. Greater is he that is in you Powerful. than he that is in the world. So now it's giving us a breakdown. The Bible says you should be happy because mm-hmm. Jesus is greater. <laughs> be happy because Jesus is greater. What do you mean? Yes, Jesus is greater. But remember, he became flesh. Mm. Jesus became flesh and then he became greater. So Hmm. now when we consider that, we can't even look to ourselves anymore because, Hmm. again, we it says Jesus was greater. So we're under him. Hmm. Right. But even though we're under him, that's not for us to look down upon ourselves and say, oh, man, this is I will never be great because now it gives you hope. It says greater is he that is in you. Now that Mm. greater portion of the overcomer has tried to become a part of you or come inside of your flesh. And then it says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, the person that was trying to overcome you is Mm. the one that is in the world. Yes. Right. The person that's in the world is the one who was overcame Hmm. or the one who was not able to conquer the word of God. And as we was drawing out the three points, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh Hmm. and the pride of life. Now I'm sad we're closing. (laughs) (laughs) The lust of the flesh and the pride of life, the overcomer or the tempter was trying to bring those three points. Uh, points of temptation to the individual who is greater Hmm. than us, but he wasn't able to overcome that individual. And now the greater hope or the hope we should have is that that individual now jumps into us. Wow. For us to overcome. That is in you. That overcomer is now in you. Yes. And we also have another verse speaking of how, uh, What greater love or what greater love should we know than a love that is a love that will lay down its life for its brethren? Not the love of the world. Not the love of the world. Right. Mm. The love is the love of the world is not going to say, let me die for a person that Mm. I don't know. Right. Mm. I'm not going to die for a a random individual in the world, especially Mm. if that individual has done very heinous crimes. If they have done something to my family, I will never die for them. Mm. They are of the world. I'll leave them in the world. But here God is saying Jesus is greater Hmm. than that uh, ideal or not an ideal, but greater than that idea in a person's mind. Jesus is greater than that. Jesus Hmm. would not say because they are in the world, I will not help them Hmm. because in his example, we see that he did the opposite. He's greater. Us being in a world, uh, over a world that is overcome by the tempter already, mm-hmm. Jesus says, I have to go and be greater than that. I have <laughs> to go and give a way out for these people mm. who are overcome by temptation. Amen. You could tell anyone who's in sin right now, 
through Christ, you can be greater. Yes. You don't have to settle in sin. You can be greater. Yes. And for our last verse, and this will be our last verse as we close. And we definitely thank you guys again for listening into uh, today's talk and podcast. Thank you. Uh, but for our last verse, we will go to First John 3. First John 3, and we will begin in verse 13. It's very important to consider the example of Christ when he was tempted in these three points, what he did to overcome these three points. Amen. So in First John chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Marvel not, brethren, or my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that it we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. We have brotherly love, right? Amen. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him, right? Eternal life abiding in him. Remember when we read that Jesus Christ was in you. Greater is and he. it said yeah. Ye are of God, little children. So those who will seek to replicate the example of Christ, 1 John 4, verse 4 is applied to them. It says, it goes on to say in verse 14, we know that we have passed unto death or from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Right? Amen. Hereby we know the love of God because Jesus overcame temptation. Mm -hmm. That's another way to say it. Mm -hmm. It says he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for Ouch. the brethren. Are you saying that? <laughs> and we ought to overcome temptation. <laughs> I'm not saying that. No, I'm not. The Bible, the is, Bible saying, is saying it. The Bible is saying we have to overcome. This is how Amen. we will lay down our lives for each other, for the brethren. And this it, is how they will perceive the love of God. Yes, it's Amen. like an ongoing chain, a never-ending connection. It says in verse 17, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Hmm. You know what's scary about this? What? Is the fact that all three of those points is brought out in that verse. Hmm. It says, whoso hath this world's good and seeth his mm. brothers. This, that's the lust of the eyes, ain't it? Mm. Seeth his brothers uh, have need or his brother have need. And mm. then it says, shutteth up his bowels. The bowels has to deal with the internals. That's flesh the lust of the flesh, flesh right there. Hath shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. Mm. Now, when it says from him. That means against something. Mm -hmm. That's the pride of life. Mm. It goes on to say, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children. Now it's, now it's, giving, it's trying to uh, give a proclamation to those who are the children of God. Right? Mm. It says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Amen. We have to be examples unto each other. We have to overcome temptation by how how do we overcome temptation? By loving, not just in word, but, but in deed and, and in, in truth. truth. Amen. 
We thank you all for listening to our podcast. We definitely uh, want you to uh, return for our next uh, talk and study of the podcast. We um, would like if you would share this podcast with your friends and with your family as we seek to serve you better as um, the day of redemption draweth nigh. Amen. So this is the Brotherly Love Podcast, where a brother in life and a brother in Christ come together to talk about the teachings of the Bible so that we may reflect the lovely image of Jesus, who is our Savior and our brother. And our brother. Thank you. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Forgiving one another Walk in love As Christ also hath loved us And be 